Welcome to the Capital City Crew Podcast. Join your hosts Jeff, Owen, Josh, and Herman as they dive deep into the game of Malifaux. Explore sophisticated strategies and creative combinations, but always remember in Malifaux, bad things happen. All right. Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Capital City Crew Podcast. I'm joined here in studio with my good friends Herman and Josh. Jeff, unfortunately, is away tonight, but he'll be back next episode uh, and will be behind the scenes doing all the awesome editing. Thank you, Jeff. Um, before we get started, um, we want to put out a couple shout outs. Uh, one, the Malifaux World Series finals are going on right now. If you have not been following this, uh, the folks who are putting this together have been running monthly tournaments since I think November of last year that have involved hundreds of people from all over the world competing. And they've this summer done a sort of invitational world series event and they're down to the last, the last few competitors. And it is exciting. The top eight. Exactly. So, and, and it's also really awesome because minus Explorer society, every other faction is represented, which is a great indication of balance. So kudos weird. Wait, I thought uh, though, Explorer Society was OP. There are two <laughs> resers, so clearly resers are the best. Yeah. Well, definitely the most OP. Yeah. I, I want to give a shout out. Uh, one of the people in the top eight is uh, Landon Chien, who was on the Jacob Lynch podcast not too long ago. So go, go, former people who are on this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Good luck, Landon. Um, I And everyone else as well. And everyone else. All real good. Go Outcasts also. Um, Boo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so check that out. Tune in. Um, give them some views. They're doing great work sustaining the community uh, during COVID. So thank you all. Um, also, I think there's some upcoming streams happening related to Third Floor Wars. Um, oh, yes. I... I- and have a vague and cryptic plug uh, for the upcoming stream that, that Craig Shipman is doing on Third Floor Wars on the 7th, assuming this episode comes out before that. Uh, no spoilers as to what it is, other than I will be there. So, oh, that's yeah, exciting. I know, it's exciting. I don't even know what it is. So I'm definitely going to tune in and yeah, see what Josh has to say. Find out when I'm there. It's going to be <laughs> It's so secret, not even I know what's going on. Awesome. So our main topic tonight is going to be about the uh, the models that just got spoiled this week um, for the other side crossover box. It's a dual box featuring Kirai and Sonya new versions plus two new models for each of their keywords. Um, that, that got spoiled. The links will be in the show notes. And we're going to talk all about that and our thoughts on that. Um, but before we do, we're going to do a segment that we like to do every now and then, which is our 10-minute tech talk. And today, Josh has some sort of tech for us. He tried to explain it over text in advance, and all of us were very confused. So um, either it's absolutely big brain or it's totally harebrained. We're going to find out. Uh, so Josh, tell us, what what is your tech talk? So... This was something I saw people talking about in the one of the, the uh, Malifaux Discord today, and I just wanted to share it with you all because it's 
really kind of strange. Uh, it's about activation control and Hamlin and you. Um, activation control, the idea that you are out activating your opponent, they don't have any models left to activate, and you do, meaning you have free run of the board to do crazy stuff without them getting the opportunity to retaliate. Um, for Hamlin, they he's the big rat summoner. He summons... He can summon literally a dozen Malifo rats if he really puts his mind to it, because they're rare 12. Um, but how can you convert that into activation control in the world of past tokens? Uh, Malifo rats have the ability just a rat, which lets you immediately end a Malifo rats activation to consume one of your opponent's past tokens. So you activate a model, they immediately discard a past token, and then you get to activate another one of your models. So it's a chain activation. If you chain activate into another Malifaux rat, you can use just a rat again to eat another one of their pass tokens. But you can't then do the second part of activating a third Malifaux rat because you're only ever allowed to chain activate two models. So instead of you having to activate a third model in your crew, you've activated two of yours, consume two of their pass tokens, and then are forcing your opponent to activate next. So essentially, you're consuming two pass tokens and making them activate. So you're netting a extra activation out of that, where they're activating one more model than you have. So you can do this to start ha having them run out of models to activate, uh, eventually giving you activation control. For every two Malifaux rats you do this with, you essentially gain one model worth of activation control at the end where they'll be out they'll be tapped out in their activations and you'll still have stuff to activate so this will give you the opportunity to have free reign over the board uh, at the end of the round did that, that make sense to y'all no that that makes more sense than when you explained it before well, uh, I was not tracking the limitation on number of chain activations, but do, does that actually count as a chain activation? It yes. Uh, you know, I guess the yeah, because they're not chain activations not, are cause a model to activate after another model. That's what they. That's what's under the chain activation uh, heading in the rulebook. So yeah, I guess that makes sense because it's even though they're spending a pass token, it's not. It's, it's, they're not. It's not counting as though they passed, and therefore you get to keep going. It's an ability. Hmm, that's interesting. How so, useful is this? Uh, I saw this in the context of some well-regarded players saying that this is a useful tool for Hamlin. I have not played against a lot of Hamlin, um, so I had not seen this trick before, which is why I really wanted to share it with people because it's sort of an interesting higher-level play. Uh, technique than I've encountered in the real world. Um, and they seem to be real big fans of it. I mean, uh, when Owen and I did a, a test run of New Terra, there was an instance where you had forced me to delay my activations, and as a result, you were tapped out of models, and I still had two guys left at the end of the round. And when you have two guys left at the end of the round, you can do some really careful positioning to get exactly within scoring radius for things like uh, claim jump. And your opponent just can't do anything about that unless they have 
deadly pursuit or the like. So hmm. right, I guess I guess my my question stems from in order to get those two guys, which I totally agree. I totally agree with that. Is you need to have four Malifa rats who are mindless, so they can't activate the turn that they are summoned. So you need to be starting the turn with four of them already on the table. And then if you make any rat kings, anything like that, then they're all going to disappear. It feels like it's something that's kind of cool, but you kind of question the practicality of it. It would require some careful positioning to pull off. Uh, especially if you because right, you could consume a bunch of guys in, into making a rat king. But if it's a fourth rat that's doing this, or I guess the fifth rat that's doing this, uh, or you just don't have rat kings and you rely on other models that are uh, going to be going to do your heavy lifting and scheme running at the end of the activation. Um, I mean, it it is true that in Hamlin, it can be fairly easy to get random ancillary rats like there are several attacks from models that just bring out rats um you can get rats when things die there's there's a lot of there's a reason they're minion 12 you can have a lot of random ones um and you can still do things like blow them up for damage after they've activated so like it's not a total wash on them but i this this does sound like a one of those you pull it out one in 300 games and it's like, oh, snap. No one expected this random play, but like most of the time it probably doesn't do anything. I don't know. At least it'd be my off the cuff take. Maybe I'm wrong. And the guy on the internet is, is crushing with this. The thing that's kind of interesting with it is just a rat doesn't have any range. It's table wide. So it's not like you activate another model within like three inches of the rat or something. It's just anything. Yeah. That is true. So you don't have to have as careful of positioning to accidentally make rat kings because it's not like you have to have the six inch range like you would for accomplice. Yeah. So, you know, try it out. Could be horribly janky and completely worthless. Could be a uh, game breaking bug. I mean, it, it is definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely a horribly like, jank. Yeah. <laughs> it's a back pocket. It's a back pocket play for sure. But, but it could be horribly jank and also effective. I don't know. Uh, I leave that one for you, the, the Hamlin players out there. Uh, tell us what you think. Leave us some comments on our post for this. I and will say, though, the, well, the, one last point, just going back to that game that we played with Tara, uh, it, it is, definitely a thing to get out activated um and just a a word of caution to those of you who are excited about the new terra um so just to recap from our previous pod if you want the in-depth go listen to our uh our reveal podcast but her ability uh one of her key abilities is that she has uh an aura a six inch aura of when an enemy model within six or buried would activate, she can suffer one irreducible damage and end a condition on the enemy to have the opposing player pass their activation as though they used a pass token. So that's a case where it's not a chain activation because it it's as if the opponent took an activation. What this allows you to do is that if you bury a model, you could potentially have like four guys in a row beat on this model 
And as long as you keep giving it fast or some other condition, you can keep skipping uh, skipping that activation and and wailing on it. So it's it it's an interesting play. Incredibly uh, rude. It is yes. the most rude thing. Potentially strong, but if you fail to capitalize on this, you can find yourself, as I did, suddenly like four activations behind, and then Josh like ran the table with me because I had no more guys to go. So it's it's a very risk risk reward play. Terra um, two is a tempo master. Yes. Well, and the thing is, kind of funny, like listening to lectures on activation order from a Terra player anyway. Between freaking Terra one, oh, I get a free one with no pass tokens. Uh, screw you. And then Ionis, <laughs> which double screw you for double pass tokens. Yeah. I think that's well, the point. And new Terra can also make pass tokens. So you could potentially get like preposterous shuffling of the, of the turn order, which could be cool. Um, all right. Anyways, but uh, we will leave that there uh, and we'll go to a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to get into the main topic of tonight's episode. So stick with us. Hello. Do you like our podcast and want to ensure that it continues to run? Maybe you want to hear our outtakes on unedited footage. Or perhaps you're just flush with cash and you like being generous. Either way, we've set up a Patreon just for you. If you like us, please consider donating. Our Patreon can be located in the show notes. If not, we're all pretty sure that it's Herman's fault. Either way, if you like our show, go ahead and leave us a comment. Thanks. Welcome back. All right, so we're going to get right into this. And so there's the format of this box, right? So this is a... It actually pretty cool concept, right? It's a crossover box between the other side and Malifaux, where all the models in this box are playable in both games. So good job, Weird. Um, way to continue to promote and support uh, the other side. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about that from Josh at the end. But first, uh, we're, we're going to talk about the Malifaux side of this. Um, and we're going to start with the guild side. Ooh. Uh, um, because I like guild better than resers, so too bad. Um, so yeah, Herman, our resident guild expert, tell us what about this box stands out to you. Uh, let's use that label loosely. Um, Herman, so can you not hear me? No, no, that that label. The label. He was expressing if you meant your name. Oh, expert. Oh, okay. All right, our our resident guild player person who sometimes has played guild how about that yes all, go ahead. all, I, all I do is play diaper changing right now <laughs> fair sounds like playing guild yeah oh. actually oh my god so many bad totems which is funny because that's actually part of a topic with this so you've got in this box i thought it was kind of useful that since they all come together we all talk about them together so we're waiting for the final spoilers because you know when you're playing with resers they're a little bit slower and moving at zombie speed. So it takes some time to catch up. But in this box, you have Sonya 2, uh, Sonya Unmasked, a uh, very dramatic name. Then you have the Gatling Gunner and the Guild Mages. Uh, they're all versatile. The Gatling Gunner and the Guild Mages, to the best of my knowledge, do not have any actual keywords. They're just personal models. But to me, like overall impression of this box, the standout model in here is quite obviously the Guild Mage. 
Like that is just such a functionally strong model across multiple keywords within guild right off the bat. And then like, even though you're talking about like the guild mage is kind of like the top pick, the Gatling gunner and Sonya two are really, really good too. Like this is a fantastic box to get uh, if you're a guild player. And it's something that I definitely encourage everyone to do. So uh, they're cool looking models also on top of all the good rules that you're going to get. So, just kind of going through, you know, in, in some sort of order. We'll, we'll start with Sonya because she's, you know, she's the big master, the big bad. Um, to me, she is a very, very big step up from Sonya 1 in almost every single way. Sonya 1 was a blaster. You know, you're bringing her in there. She's just chucking meatballs at your opponent, and you're kind of hoping for the best. She gets brought into flaming meatballs. I'm sorry. She gets brought into other crews to kind of act as that a role that Perdita has sometimes acted in um, because you can put some useful stuff on her. She can apply the burning. She can do a little bit of micro summoning, but she's not a synergistic master. She's not someone that's like, oh yeah, you know, witch hunters are all going to be friends. We're all going to play together. We're going to be interesting. She's, she's kind of running on her own thing. She's doing her own stuff, which makes her great in that sense of bringing her in. Uh, you can be very independent. You had a uh, one local guy was running her with bass and 18 traps. It's a very crazy list. Uh, he swore it worked. Yeah, he swore it worked. But in this one, you're kind of going in the other direction. So she's bringing in this terrain control that's really new to guild, really cool. She's bringing in synergies to her keyword, which is really new and really cool. And so it fixes a lot of those interest complaints that you have, not necessarily power level complaints, but things where like you want to go and you want to explore the witch hunter keyword. Now you get to do that with this master. And so I think that's a really, really positive thing that she's bringing to the table here. I don't know if you all had any thoughts on that. So is she, do you think she's going to dissuade the guild super friend list? You know, Pale Rider, Lone Marshal, uh, lawyers, bloodline coats applied as desired. Do you think it's going to uh, go based, back to... Based on the games we played, where I took the Pale Rider and the Leadline coats, and I didn't take the guild marshal in any of those. So I think that the guild super friends is always going to be there because they provide you with solutions to common problems. And like I started taking Pale Rider with her because she needed a taxi to get up the field because she just does so much on her car that you want to be using everything. You don't want to be wasting your time walking. And even Sonya one with her movement four, which was shit. Um, this one is a little bit improved in that area, but she was taking the taxi. So you're still going to see things like that taxi system. Um, Lone Marshall, he, he stats seven and he ignores concealment and he kills summons. He's a great, tech hire. Um, so I think some elements of those super friends, and we're going to talk specifically about that lawyer. That lawyer is phenomenal specifically with Sonya too. So super friends, unfortunately the way you kind of highlighted those models, I don't think is going anywhere. Those are all models that you should definitely be looking at getting regardless. But you will though, like her, so her front of the card ability enraged by the mage. That's the one that stood out to me the most in the, the practice games we had played was that like the, so to read the card, right? So it's model uh, after a friendly witch hunter. So keyword only within eight is pushed outside its own activation. If it ended engaging an enemy model, it can take a claw attack. So that like that opens up a lot of potential like beater synergies with other witch hunter models 
that might encourage you to take in keyword stuff. It does, but what it ultimately ends up doing is putting you into two thralls, which yeah. is anytime we played, that was the core of my list was her right. two thralls and Ludline coat. Yep. And then you support that up with like, I actually liked Hopkins, um, her pale rider and guild steward for maybe a little bit of help. And then um, the lawyer, the lawyer is yeah. very, very useful in this. Yeah. So, but your core definitely were previously Sonya one, your core could be whatever the hell you wanted. Sonya two is very much keyed into those thralls and your crew, your list is going to be keyed into making those thralls stay alive which is very, very, very important to you, especially because they're eight soulstone models and they are tethered to stay within eight inches of her. But you're absolutely right on that. The money on her card is all made up in Enraged by the Mage. Like that is where she is at. And there's a few things like you can push zero inches and that counts. Like you don't got to like actually move the model if they're already engaged. They have a built-in defensive trigger. So if you get smacked on defense, they get to hit you back. It's great. And they um, they have, was it, crit strike? Uh, so they don't get the crit strike on the uh, trigger because that's an action generated by a trigger. But any other pushes that you do, you'll get the uh, crit strike built in there. And you can even get them up higher if you're willing to cheat in that uh, extra ram. So you can go from 3, 4, or three five seven to 4, 6, 8, and so on and so forth. I think you actually do get the trigger because... Your defensive trigger pushes you, and that resolves. Like, it's done. Oh, then, and then her ability kicks in and says, hey, at the end of resolving any move, you just get to do an attack. So then it's just a full attack, not spawned by a trigger. Like, it was sort of indirectly the result of a trigger, but it was not like the trigger says do an action. Unfortunately, I have to agree with Owen on this. But Hey, I don't, I don't mind getting to do more damage to you all. Yeah, I, I think that is it is it is better. Um, I mean, her other I think the other potentially money ability is her. Um, wait, shoot, what is it? What is the thing that removes condition or not conditions? Uh, terrain markers. Um, oh wait, no, never mind. I'm thinking yeah. of I'm thinking of the uh, the mage JK. Yeah, no, the the mage has his own awesomeness. Yeah. yeah, so, and then one of the other things to really highlight with this is that a charge is a push in a melee swing. So if you obey a thrall to charge, you get two melee swings out of it. And that's where the lawyer... Gross. That's where the lawyer is making making you some bank there um, with his obey. Mm. Not mm. to mention shielded and surge and tools and everything else that the lawyer brings. And the, the nice thing about this is, is where I feel like this is actually smart game design is previously the thralls, they have a absorb the flame, which lets them remove burning near them and heal, but that costs one AP. So you've got this big beat, beat stick model who's kind of at odds with itself. It wants to make a bunch of attacks, but at the same time it has to use one of its attacks to heal itself. Now you kind of get to have your cake and eat it too. And I think that's some, something that's very, very useful as well. So are you, so I know in general, it's varied a lot so far, at least of the revealed masters, whether they were like strictly better on par, you know, questionable. This one sounds like it might be in the 
most of the time it's better camp. Is is that where you're thinking right now? I would tend to agree with that. Um, it's not like Sonya one was bad. She isn't. Yeah. She's upper mid middle of the pack. This one was probably like one step ahead of her. So upper, upper middle of the pack. So are there any contexts in which you would take original Sonya over this one? Um, or vice versa, depending on how you want to look at it. That's a good question. I think where original one comes into play is because she's not keyword dependent. Like the thing is, is so much of what I was doing with her and we haven't even gotten to like any other ability other than rage by the mage on her card. Like that's how crazy this thing is, how defining, but so much of it is based on the thralls. And if you're about to go into someone who can handle the thralls very quickly and efficiently, you're going to have a bad day. If you are going up into a keyword that has a ton of stunned, you're going to have a bad day because the thralls are relying on the defensive trigger. The thralls are relying on the um, critical strike. So those are things where you definitely want to kind of look at the other Sonya one. But just to touch on a couple of the other abilities that she has um, real quick before we move on to some other stuff is she has Channel Flame. Um, That's where she can pull burning off your own models and she can use it to give herself bonuses this is a really, really nice thing that kind of revitalizes what is, in my mind, sort of a kind of crappy totem with a purifying flame. It sets models near it on fire. If it walks through models again on fire, previously it, was, it wasn't it was necessarily a detriment to you because it's um, significant. So you can run schemes and strats with it or the lodestone, but it's not like awesome. Now you are literally using this crappy totem to give you bonuses to everything she does. Very, very useful. Um, so you have that, and then you have these power markers. So the power markers are kind of what is supposed to be almost her stereotype. This idea of you have a terrain control where you're putting down these pyres. Uh, they are hazardous. Your opponent is going to get burning if they move through them. That's a bit of a problem. Of the severe, they slow them down, and your opponent cannot ignore them, and they are not destructible. So you have to have specific marker removal. And that's where you get into some of her back of the card abilities. Burn them out is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. You push a target four inches, you give it burning, but where you're going to be stoning for this stupid thing every single time is divine strike. The target and any models within two inches of it gains staggered. So now you're putting down these pyre markers that are severe. You are pushing your opponent's models back and you are staggering not just one model, but you're staggering a whole pulse of those models if you can get them back into a clump you can really really mess up your opponent's tempo badly and that's just something that people don't necessarily expect from a fire caster i think the real downside to burn them out is that it's short range range eight when the rest of your stuff is 12 to 14 uh yeah she has to be within that sort of eight inch range to influence the thralls but I would not call her a tank, but I, so getting that close, that might be the balancing factor in this case, because then you're just going stat five, arcane shielded, 11 wounds. It's not really that much to get through. It's not. Um, it is that distancing is why I was bringing Pale Rider as a taxi. Um, one thing to bear in mind is she can channel flame on defense as well. So she does have the positives to defense for whatever that ends up being worth. But yeah, no, I mean, that is a balancing factor for sure. Well, we can't, she can't be good at everything. So she's not Karai. God. 
Oh my God, Christ! God, Christ! God, <laughs> um, the uh, other thing is she doesn't scheme very well. She still doesn't scheme very well. I still don't like the um, what are they called? Sanctioned spellcasters. Like they're still crappy. So that's another thing where you want to you don't want things that spread out with her. She's a bubble. She's going to camp in her little eight inch bubble, and that's where she's going to be. And if you got to run to other corners of the map, you're going to have a bad time. God, if only you could take a model that could remove a marker and replace it with a ski marker. Indeed. What model could that be? I think that model is going to be named Segway. (laughs) (laughs) Bingo. So there is, like, we need to do a whole episode on her because when we first, like, looked at her car, I, like, sat down. I filled, like, a page full of just synergies she has with Witch Hunter, like, quellers who you never see become interesting. So there, there's just there's a lot there, but that's kind of the highlights of her um, on the pyre, which just pisses Josh off because of flame strike, where you can just ping him for a point of damage. Like, hey, here you go, buddy. Tactical actions that are actually attack actions. Mm, do not like. Do not approve. Big fan of when I'm doing it. Big fan. But you wanted to move on to segue. Yeah. So that takes us to. The best model in this entire box, including the Rezzers, screw them, or at least the most impactful model, we'll say, is the Guild Mage. And the Guild Mage is impactful because it has one absolutely standout ability on its card, Glory of the Guild, which is once per activation after a model within six inches discards a card from its control hand, this model may have a friendly model within six inches heal one, two, three, based on the value of that discarded card. That is is so phenomenal this will be a crutch model this is a mo- like hey guild steward remember you yeah go the fuck away like just straight up this guy the passive healing that this model puts out keeps crews on the table it is the sole reason why like post fiona journalism is a viable crew journalist is a viable keyword because he keeps them on the table family like, they struggled. They struggled to keep those guys on the table. Now, every time you operel, you can heal. It keeps them on the table. It's amazing. Elite, not so big a struggle on staying on the table because they can discard, put you on a negative. Every time you try to attack them, they pitch to put you on a negative, they heal. Like, these are big, big deals. And that just, that chip healing adds up and adds up and adds up and adds up. So if you're playing against them, what you're really going to be looking at is that defense four. Like that, that's where he's, you know, he's a little soft and squishy. I just, I, I feel like I cannot understate the importance of this model enough. And the, the trick is, is it's going to be in keywords that you have to discard a lot in. And that's why I listed out those three keywords specifically. Um, I had taken him actually with Sonya originally because of Counterspell, where I'm like, okay, my opponent's going to be chucking a bunch. You know, this could be very useful to have Counterspell in all these models. It just, it never happened. So he he was not hitting the efficiency he needs to in order to be effective in that particular keyword. So you have to kind of balance that out. You want to make sure that you... The, having your opponent discard things and he'll use great, you want to make sure that you control your discards so that way you have that ability to keep models up. There so, are comparatively few triggers that I would be willing to pass out free healing to your crew for. Right, and that, it puts it in your opponent's control and that's not always great. Um, some other things that he's bringing, like just that's again, that's one ability. That's just so fantastic. But rule of law, 
is another amazing, amazing one that gives you generic marker removal in guild on a versatile model. With that, that discard a card to heal something. Yes. That is like those pyro markers that aren't destructible. Boom, they're gone. They're a scheme marker now. Like ice pillars from Euripides, shadow markers. Um, you know, was it Ava? Like those are all destructible. Well, yeah, but this is six inches away. True. Um, Ava likes to do lockout. You can remove whatever marker she's locking out. I mean, the titles are just inter- uh, making markers left and right nowadays. Uh, Hoffman boxing people in, imprisoning them in inescapable walls and pylons. Mm, no, just rule of law. Take it away. Maybe take some damage. Oh, no. If only you had a consistent source of healing uh, to mitigate the damage you would potentially take from removing the pylon. Yeah, no, really solid, particularly in the upcoming world of title masters. Yeah, and that, that's kind of where I had said like markers might be the new like M2E had too many conditions. We have too many different markers running around, but that's its own thing. Yeah, they probably could stand to simplify that or at least not print more types. But um, I mean, I want to put a shout out, though, to the other ability I think is pretty cool. So you got ancient words, which I'm used to, at least from librarians in outcasts but it has this cool trigger once per activation you transmute you change one condition on the target that has a value into another condition of your choice of the same value up to two so you'd be like hey model with focus two now you have distracted two hey fire golem with like 12 burning that you use defensively that's now too poison or too distracted um, or, or, you know, too injured. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty sweet ability to turn off particular models that really care about having conditions on them. Yeah. That's, it kind of ties into why he belongs in journalist so much. Um, there's a couple plays you can do with it. Um, you have the printing press, which can push your models and apply burning too. So you push up like Fiona and then he turns up burning two into focus two and she's got armor. So she's only taking like one damage. Yeah. That's really the, the detriment to use good on friendlies is that it is on an attack with a sizable damage spike. And you need to have the, um, mm-hmm. the tome. So it's, it's something that like for using it on friendlies, it is that low tome turn one. You're not too worried about it. Um, Cause then you can also, you know, remove a ski marker or whatever and discard a card and heal them back up. The other thing where ancient words comes into play really nicely with journalists is they have distraction. So they'll put your opponents on negative willpowers. And as Josh just pointed out, that thing ramps up damage quite quickly. So he actually feeds into the false witness where they are debuffing your willpower. And then you are just slamming them with these, you know, moderate four severe fives from all these shots. So he's incredibly synergistic within that keyword specifically because of all these different reasons, not just because of the healing. Cool. So what, so tell us about the Gatling gunner. It sounds like he's maybe the, the third coolest of the set, which is hilarious is actually so crazy when you stop and think about it because the Gatling gunner gives you stealth on a stick, like just straight up. All you need is a, what a four tomes and all of your models within three inches of them have stealth. 
Like, Thank God it's unsuited stealth on a stick. Yeah, you need to have that tone, which makes it expensive. You would think just straight up that that would be over the top. Like everyone would be losing their minds over it. And then he's the third coolest. So practically speaking, what ends up happening with that is because of the way Gaining Grounds 2 is designed. You got to meet in the middle. You got to cross the table. You got to interact with each other. So that stealth on a stick happens, you know, turn one, maybe a little bit into turn two, and then just the lines have closed. And so you're, you kind of lose advantage of it after that. So it's either going to help you a ton or not. It'll definitely fade and impact as the, um, as the turn, the turns go on, as the game goes on. But he's got a couple other cool things. Uh, the big one for me was actually covering fire which is whenever he misses an attack, which he's stat four. He is a positive, but he's stat four. So he can actually have your other models take a general action that's not charge. That's actually really synergistic, really cool. You can build a lot of things off of that, even if it's just focus, um, interact, drop a scheme marker, um, do whatever they need to do in order to you know move. Is There's a lot of things that you can do with that. I think he's really, really useful in Lucius, particularly because you have the hidden sniper to give out the injured. So then he goes up to stat five with a built-in positive. So now he's actually hitting a little bit more reliably. You can command him with Lucius. He brings in card draw, which helps with Lucius, you know, cause you got a, a lot of discards in that keyword. So he's just, the Gatling gunner is really effing solid. And it's just kind of funny that there's so much else going on in the game right now with all these new titles coming out and all these new models coming out. That stealth on a stick is isn't what you'd think it would be. I mean, that the funny part too about the covering fire is that that actually gives you a useful outlet for a bad hand. Because you it might actually be correct play to cheat down, to miss an attack, to do that key interact action or that move action that you need. Um, so that's that's pretty sweet. Uh, as a potential like surprise tech play um, into like the end of the game or like a crucial scoring opportunity. Really leverage that stat four attack. Not to mention if you take him with a guild mage, then he heals a model. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Cause it's a discard. After drawing a card up from being next to the uh, guild mage. They're just, they're, it's like the buddy system, you know, guild believes in safety first. <laughs> unlike unlike Rezzers. What? No. We I was going to say, unlike Mike Crow, he's like safety third. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. Well, so it sounds like you're pretty excited for this guild box. Um, this and- box will change the faction. Cool. Buy well, this box. Well, there you go. You have an endorsement. Um, and I think we're about to hear from... Uh, from our compatriot that maybe you all can, can split this one up because you both want stuff. Buy this uh, box and throw away the reser models. <laughs> Change the game. Change the game. Be your own destiny. Yeah. All right, cool. So I think we, we've heard enough about guild. Uh, we might loop back for any like closing thoughts, but um, we're going to go a quick break and we come back. We're going to hear about the mean evil, Kirai, yes, uh, most yes. hated master. Uh, all right, stick with us.
right, welcome back. Uh, in this piece of our segment, we're going to hear from Josh uh, about all the cool stuff that the Resurrectionists are getting. Um, so we've got we've got Kirai, two models into Resers, and we also gain now finally an explanation of why Curio was errated somewhat randomly uh, in the most recent errata. So um, take it away, Josh. Well, this also gets into other assorted summoning erratas, as this one is really leading into the non-upgrade-based summoning Cry and Koku Envoy of the Court. Uh, this is a dramatic departure in terms of summoning mechanic uh, and mechanics overall from the original Cry. Uh, I personally, huge fan of the original Cry. Uh, very few things in the world are as fun as dropping a Kyrio into the middle of the opponent's crew or a Goryo or all the other uh, high point cost summons that you can get from the Urami keyword. Uh, Hire the damned. Unfortunately, the new cry can't do any of that, Uh, which sounds like you're losing out on quite a bit. Um, But what you're losing in terms of high point cost summons, you're making up for in just the sheer number of bodies you could move across the field at a, quite frankly, terrifying pace. Uh, This is the cry that is is trading uh, high point cost summons for smaller, lower impact summons, but way less pressure on your hand to always have those really high suits uh, or a high unsuited card plus uh, plus soulstone. So I think this will lead to a cry that is that plays very differently from from the OG version. So what? Why don't you walk us through? Just I know we don't usually read all the text on the card, but like just. Walk us through how a new model gets summoned under this cry. So all of this revolves around the join us uh, ability on the front of our card, which is after an action in which an enemy model is moved through by a friendly Arami model. If they haven't failed a join us test this turn, they must pass a willpower duel, TN13. Or I can summon a four cost or less minion in base contact with it. So... This involves using the the ghostly presence to move your models through the opponent's models. Uh, And if they fail that willpower duel, you get something. Uh, And this can only happen once per turn per enemy model. Um, But you can force the test as many times as you want. uh, As as long as you just keep pushing models through them over the different activations. So the summons you're getting out of that and there's no range like this. It's just anywhere on the board. No this line is her, of sight, right? Yeah, she has a couple eight inch yeah. on her, but this is anywhere. Uh, yeah. As long as any Arami model is moving through an enemy model anywhere while Cry is still in play. Uh, you and that includes the, like a Gorio charging such that it clips someone's base. Or, a Gorio yeah. charging, clipping someone's base, uh, chain ganging a, another model through them. Uh, if you lure or force move one of your guys with the multiple force move powers that uh, Cry and her crew can bring to the table, uh, as long as the Rumi model is moving through the opponent, they you force the uh, the join us test. Now, for well, force and there's another kicker to this too, though. 
Talk about her putting you on negatives. Oh, that was getting to the defensive abilities. Uh, the defensive bullshit my ass. <laughs> I suppose it is also an offensive capability. Uh, Karai, famous for being the, back in second edition, the one that originally had the adversary mechanic, uh, is now using it in a new and exciting way from her previous iteration. Uh, Cry 1 kept adversary up on models uh, by taking damage so that they didn't lose it at the end of turn or when it was dispelled. And this one, she can't keep it up for extended periods of time, but instead, enemies with adversary or Rami uh, that are within or aid of Cry uh, suffer a negative on willpower duels and on actions targeting this model. So if you hit a model with adversary... Uh, they are suddenly taking a negative to Karai's attacks, to terrifying tests from Akirio, to the join us willpower duel, oh, and also for attacking Cry in general, um, which is important because that's her primary defensive feature that's baked into her card. Uh, she lost uh, protected Arami, uh, she lost vengeance, uh, but she picked up this revenge ability to put opponents on negatives. So now handing out that adversary is absolutely essential. Uh, she also picked up uh, another really cool ability in form of Ghostly Presence um, which lets Arami models treat uh, crows as having any suit so the crows that you no longer need for summons uh, th- those can instead be onslaughts for a curio or uh, summon triggers for for uh, Datsura Ba or uh, Burnout triggers for Lost Love. Uh, you can now turn those crows into anything else. Uh, really upping the flexibility, lowering the hand pressure uh, that you know Cry sort of suffered from in the past, where you needed, like, ideally, two 12 pluses in your hand each turn to be able to get, well, I guess, 11 pluses in your hand each turn. Uh, so you'd be able to summon up to a Goryo and also resummon a Kyrio. Yeah, so, so, but, like, so let's talk, or let's tell me some more about your thoughts on you're no longer summoning those bigger things. Like, you're not summoning a Shikome, you're not summoning... Uh, All like of the of go-to models. Other, yeah, so, like, yes. you're now looking at Gakis and the new enslaved uh, spirits. Like, how, how does that... Oh, Insatians, yes. How does that play into this? It's weird. It's like the goals were always, at the very least, you wanted to summon a drowned. Uh, I always felt like I failed as a player if I was forced to summon an Onryo uh, using uh, a Blood and Wind in the past. But now, like all the stuff that you'd be going for, the the Shikome for scheme running, the Goryo for just as a murder missile, those aren't options anymore. And you also lose out on a lot of the force projection capabilities uh, that you can't summon a model just anywhere on the board anymore. It's not, I walk five inches, summon a model six inches away from me uh, on a 50 millimeter base. So I've just dropped something better part of 13 inches away from where I started. And I still have another AP that turn. Um, so you lose out on the force projection. You can only summon where your opponents are. 
Um, so it's going to alter the uh, strats and schemes that she's good into. It's definitely more of a bubble crew because she gets a lot of benefits out of bubbling now. Uh, her attack now uh, willpower attack uh, lousy damage spread 1, 2, 3, but they get plus 1 damage for each Arami minion engaging that model. So if you have a bunch of guys clustered around them. No cap, you, which is no important. Cap. No cap. There's no There's no max plus two. No. Now you're just capped by the physical restriction of how many models can be engaging this and how many models that you can have out carefully positioned at that time. So it lets you uh, potentially have very high spike damage from your master. Uh, and it's a willpower attack. So if you manage to land her Thirst for Vengeance bonus action to put Adversary Arami on them, well, now they're at negative flips on your unbound upper end scaling sundering attack. And that's like the wombo combo version. I'm guessing, unless you're really, really lucky, you're probably going to get plus one, plus two on that. But, you know, a three, four, five damage spread, stat six, and you're on negatives on defense is, that's respectable. That is a respectable attack right there. But she also gets to leverage a variety of different support abilities in addition to potentially having a spiky murder engine uh, into mist where she can heal a model and uh, have it the area around it treated as concealing for enemy models uh, until the end of turn. Uh, this gets around some of the, the big issues of just having your ghost shot off the board from... Uh, 14 inches away by people like Sonia. Mm. Um, and she can also just speed her crew up the board. Uh, Don't pick on Saint Sonia. She knows what she did. <laughs> Swirling Spirits. Uh, one of my favorite powers from uh, Second Ed Cry uh, is bringing, making its third ed debut. Um, very different now. Now you're pushing models equal to the of uh, the TN of the ability is the soulstone cost of the models you are pushing. So you can push a whole bunch of small models, really, uh, or you can push a couple of big ones. This sort of solidifies that even though you're no longer summoning, you're probably still going to want to have the whisper on cry, as you can know exactly what value you're going to get for your swirl spirits. So you can target exactly the number of models that you want to really optimize. Uh, your capabilities for uh, pushing things up the board in an efficient fashion. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and there's great triggers on that. Uh, one of them lets you move cry, so you're not abandoning your master in the backfield, which is very important uh, because she is has that 8-inch aura range on a lot of her, her really clutch effects. Um, and the other one lets a model take an attack. Yeah. Uh, so you can shove your your Akirio five inches off the board and have them swing. Uh, you can have your uh, your gawkies that you're you're crapping out like candy from everyone's failed uh, join us duels. Um, have, have them randomly take bonus attacks throughout the, the course of the turn. Um, and now you can get that uh, trigger on 50% of the cards out there since you can count your crows as, as rams. Uh, those triggers are going to be a lot easier to land as well. But I was going to say, the last thing everyone is really hoping that uh, 
hey, maybe with her change to summoning, she won't be able to resummon a curio. And for that, sore disappointment for you all. Uh, is it now models that uh, have adversary on them are the nodes where you can summon a curio out from. And instead of needing a suited 12 to do that or suited 11 to do that, uh, you need an unsuited 8, which is pretty good. You need an 8 to pull out and a curio. Uh, I think that I is a words about that. That is a that's, perfectly reasonable cost for a perfectly reasonable model. I hate so, the curio. So one of the things, you know, as you kind of go through and talk about this. Nerf you know, the curio. <laughs> hey, Nerf Leviticus. <laughs> Got to keep it classic. Um, so one of the things as we kind of go through and we talk about Karai, she produces all these extra models. She's jamming you up. She's very fast. She's putting you on negatives. There's, you can see where that can rapidly stack into um, a bit of a negative play experience if you're not prepared for her. What would you say is like, hey, you know, you got the box set, you're about to set up and go. What are the things that you think people could focus on to kind of help ease them into dealing with her? The classic weaknesses for uh, Karai are blasts and sources of damage that are not attack actions. Uh the aforementioned tactical actions that do damage are, are something you can look forward to, are particularly effective against this version of Cry, uh, because the models that you're bringing out are, generally speaking, pretty low wound count. So if you can spread around damage, uh, you can sort of effectively deal with the swarm that, that they're generating. And that's the, the tactic you're going to try to take against this Securio. Against this cry. Akirio doesn't work on it. Nothing works on Akirio. She's unstoppable. The damned works great on Akirio. Mm. Mm. Damned made Akirio his bitch. <laughs> oh, stupid Akirio. I'll just Dude, bring out a Josh one. hated that game so oh much. Oh my god. So much. Yeah, the, Akirio, uh, the damned can just one shot Akirio if anyone's curious. That seems good. Like well, almost trivially. <laughs> well, and actually, I mean, you could one shot it with uh, what's the model in guild that kills things with a summon upgrade? The lone marshal, oh, the yeah. one that Josh was very uh, strictly asking about. Uh, the interesting thing about about this version of Cry is that it is somewhat less vulnerable to stuff like that. Not because you can't instantly execute things with uh, the exorcism trigger. But because you're putting out a lot of smaller, lower value things, it's not that one big summon that you get out per turn. It's not, I spent a, a 12 to get a big model out and you just instantly nuke it with your stat 7 attack. Or I guess that one's the, the startle, uh, not his gun. Yeah. On the, on the Marshal. Yeah, it's on his bonus. Yeah, now it's, I can put out more models than you can. Uh, can exercise with the Lone Marshal. I can just crank out a bunch of smaller ones that are tar-pitting your crew, and you're forced to deal with that. And Arami models are not that easy to remove, uh, particularly when you start introducing things like the new enslaved spirits. Segway! Uh, Segway! Uh, yeah, I'll go with the enslaved spirit first, because I think that one uh, is the most is one of the relevant ones for uh, new Akirio or new Cry, but also I think it's just going to be generically used 
in uh, Old Cry. Because uh, the Enslaved Spirit, three soulstone, significant minion, which already pretty solid, uh, still has incorporeal, wounds equal to its cost, uh, also very solid. The two really awesome abilities that it has uh, are, first one is called Chained, which any models within three inch aura cannot reduce the value of their focus condition, which means they cannot use it on attacks. Like one of the common tactics for dealing with Karai is uh, circumventing vengeance by instead of doing two small attacks, having one big focused attack, because then you are more likely to just outright kill the model. And uh, even if you don't outright kill them, you're only taking one instance of vengeance instead of two. This just prevents that. You can't take two. You can't take a focused attack to try to nuke model off the board in a single hit. Uh, because you can't use focus. And that is just excellent counterplay to the common tactic to dealing with Arami minions, or Arami in general. No more big hits, less likely to uh, get those flat flips. Uh, and the defenses on Arami models outside of uh, Ikirio itself, average to good. So, yeah, it is rude to find out that that thing's been summoned into the midst of your models. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely and can, rude. And you could do that with both old and, and uh, new cry. Uh, three soul stones, less than four. It's dirt cheap to, to crank one of those out. Um, and absolutely worth it. In addition to their defensive capabilities they're also bringing like a really much needed scheming capability that that cry did not have in the past like generally speaking her strategy for strats and schemes was to have more bodies than you i murder you and make new models and use those to uh, accomplish the strats and schemes uh since the the, guild, the gaining ground two changes that made it so you can't have summoned models interact with uh, strat markers and the generic restriction on uh, interacting for summoned models uh, across the board. You know, it's a little bit awkward. You don't, you never really had that great scheming tech from Cry. Enslaved spirits have a demise effect that when this model is killed, it can drop a scheme marker completely within three. So you have a summon that if it dies, can drop a scheme marker the same turn it was summoned. That is a very rare capability. Uh, I know one of the uh, one of Asami summons can do that, or at least could at one point. Um, and it was it was great. It was absolutely spectacular uh, when you pull it off. Uh, and this is bringing that capability to to the Arami keyword, and I'm stoked for that. Well, and it has the ability on one of its attacks to kill itself. Yep. The so arcane can, touch. The no the on the oh actually both. Both abilities have the same one. So it's the doomed trigger. Uh it's built in on its melee. Uh and it's not built in, but it's available on its range attack to just so, do plus one damage and then kill itself, turning into a ski marker. Yep. Uh you can charge one of your own guys, relent on the attack, uh, do a net one, two, three damage spread to your dude, but get a ski marker within three. Uh, or if you don't need the suicide, 
to to accomplish that. Uh, lethal curse, their other attack. It's only stat four, but it's target gains injured, and you're potentially putting them already on negative flips for uh, if they have adversary on them. So that stat four is still has a respectable potential to land, and it's yeah, not it's like gross. if you, and if you are hitting with it, your opponent there's a good chance they'll cheat it because avoiding that that uh, injured is very important. Um, and also on top of all this, they have a solid bonus action in Chain Gang, uh, which you can use to trigger join us. So they are a very high utility summon. They have scheming, they have defensive capabilities, they have mobility. Just they're a lot in the three stone package. Huge fan. Huge fan. But but wait, there's more. Oh yeah. I mean there's one more model. (laughs) And this is the one that people have been talking about. This is the one that people look at the card and they're just well. You you can identify the the uh, Karai players by the ones who aren't appalled by this card. Uh, the Gwisin. It's their more expensive. Bad. What was that? It's not that bad. The uh, incorporeal model with Vengeance two with uh, wounds greater than its cost. Yeah, I mean it's, it's not it's the end of the world. Yeah. In in a faction full of all the models that I hate the most in the game, this isn't. This isn't making it. I mean, I will say I hated it until I, we played, you know, 15 games or however much we did between Sonya and Karai. And then you kind of get over it. You're like, all right, yeah, sure, take the damage. <laughs> take 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 the damage. Uh, hit it with like explosions. Now. Hit it with other stuff. It it also brings a great deal to the table. Uh, Trail of Gore, third AP, gets an extra attack, removes a ski marker. Uh... On a six-stone model, pretty solid. This is, again, adding to the, the scheming capabilities of, uh, of the Urami crew that they're picking up from this box set. Uh, threaten. It, it is a versatile model, uh, so you can have that adversary that Threaten applies go to whatever uh, keyword you're currently playing or have it be adversary Urami and you know get that value-added negative flips. Uh, and a stat five attack. That's really the 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 only uh, downside of this card is that mm, stat five. Um, but for a six stone model with potential three attacks, seems pretty solid. Uh, yeah, you have a tank now. Let's take the hit. A pretty common ability in Resurrectionist, all things considered. But still, take the hit plus Incorporeal plus Vengeance too. Very solid. So this guy seems uh, seems pretty good. What is your what is your thoughts on hiring this versus mainly summoning with Kirai One? For Kirai One, the this it, it depends on whether you or not you're expecting attacks out of your bottles very soon. Uh, honestly, I would rather summon like hire Gwisin and summon. Uh, bigger stuff. Just it's more cost effective that way. Gwisin aren't slow. I mean, they're move five. Uh, but uh, they're move five, and if your enemy is dropping skeet markers, they can take walks for additional distance. Uh, they're an alternative to uh, Onryo in terms of lowish cost uh, 
options of uh, putting out adversary. Both of them are still stat five. Uh, uh, Onryo have the perk that their application of adversary comes with the bonus, the enemy cannot be healed effect. Um, but this on the question, it's not thwarted by something like stunned that would prevent it from declaring the trigger to actually apply adversary. Uh, so you want to have stuff that drops adversary on things, and these are a solid option for it, uh, particularly if you want some defensive capabilities uh, for your other models. Uh, people really like to try to murder murder, pe- murder things like Jakuna very quickly or Lost Love very quickly because they are high-value, extremely annoying pieces. As well uh, they should. And having a Gwissin in your back pocket right from the get-go can prevent any sort of alpha strikes to take them out with either ranged attacks or just some diving murder engine. Um, so that sort of comes down to what you're expecting from your opponent, whether you think they have the capability of taking out your really like high-utility models right from the get-go. Because if your Gwissin bites the dust, oh no, I can just summon it again. So, well, and I think people like kind of miss because they see the vengeance plus two and freak out. It's really take the hit is the big thing on it. Yeah, because that's protecting all the other stuff. It's protecting a curio. It's protecting whatever other random models you have that are doing more important stuff. Take the hit incorporeal cost plus one wounds. Yeah, it's is gross. a really s- sweet combination. I you look at. Uh, shield bearers, which are take the hit, armor one, uh, but cost minus one wounds, if I remember correctly. So yeah, that's because they have the armor. They have the armor, but you know, if you take the hit, incorporeal is functionally identical. So can I ask? I'm I'm curious. Looking holistically at this box, and then the two. The two masters and their extra models. It seems like the Rezer, the Rezer group is a more tightly knit, like cohesive group. Like it seems like it's like yeah, we want a curio and a curio related stuff. Um, whereas Sonia is Sonia and other cool guild models that do awesome stuff in guild. Like I'm curious. I would be curious to know like some of the thoughts of like oh why like why that but i'm i'm more curious in terms of the the reser side of this how often are you going to take any of these as versatile versus being strictly curai keyword stuff take the hit is pretty awesome denying focus is pretty awesome uh i'm probably less likely to take enslaved spirits because they're three wounds even with incorporeal, their three wounds, they're they're going to bite it really fast, especially if they're the thing that's preventing the mature Nephilim from dropping focused murder claws uh, into my face. They'll just spend an AP to, to straight nuke a uh, enslaved spirit. Um, so enslaved spirits, less likely. Gwissin are a solid option if you... Uh, really want to take the hit. I know there are some players that are not really big fans of investing a great deal into models with uh, that are purely defensive capabilities. 
Um, I think the Gwisa brings slightly more to the table than some of those. Like, uh, some players are not fans of like Ashigaru because all they are are sort of take the hit engines. Um, this has Trail of Gore for actual counter scheming and uh, threaten for generic crew buffing. Uh, so I think they have slightly more play than a purely defensive take the hit model. Um, you can get some solid utility out of them above and beyond just their defensive capabilities. So I can see people taking them. But you're right, it is a much more cohesive set for the uh, Urami side of things, which I think is fitting with that keyword in general, which is very uh, built together, very designed around interactions between uh, models in that keyword. You don't have generic heals coming from Urami. You have Urami-specific heals and Urami-specific buffs, uh, which, as uh, Herman noted, is not the case for... Uh, Sonya one. She's just sort of keyword independent. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of where you almost get into the difference between the two factions. Is there's, it feels like a lot of stuff in Guild that is up until the new titles came out was lacking in inner keyword synergies. And the new titles are bringing a lot more of that into it, but the box kind of reflects that in that I feel like this box will be more impactful to Guild as a faction whereas it'll be more impactful to Kirai as a master for Rezzers. Yeah, that makes sense. I would agree with that sentiment right there. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, I'm pretty okay with that. It's, you know, you're not getting this magical witch hunter model. And honestly, I don't know that you're going to really take the Gatling Gunner or the Guild Mage with witch hunter as a keyword. But so that's okay. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. When I think... In, and we'll get into this a little bit at the end, but I, I think that somewhat also has to do with where these models are trying to be on the other side context, um, where these, like the Gatling Gunner and the Guild Mage are more in line with sort of, if there's not a ton of Guild models in other sides, so like they're just, they are the Guild, um, versus Kirai is very much like, yeah, we're, this is our whole like faction thing in the other side. I, I honestly don't know enough about the other side. It's super fun guys. I've heard it's the greatest game that no one's ever played. I won't quite go that far, but it is really solid. Um, well, I guess since we're going there, uh, Josh thoughts on like how these or I guess maybe for those who aren't familiar with the other side as much, like how does this fit in to it? So, in the other side, there have uh, always been the, the Guild and Court of Two factions that you could take an Envoy into, which is like a secondary faction that you can summon into your original one. Uh, and there's only been currently one Guild and one Court of Two model that have been actually released for the other side. Uh, both of which are really good. Like, the... You can see them when the, when uh, Weird was talking about uh, the other side and uh, Malifaux crossovers, how you can use some of the other side models as uh, counts as models for Malifaux. Yeah, That's, I'm all about Samantha Thrace. Samantha Thrace as Dashiell and uh, Bin as uh, Detsui Ba. And yeah. now you have the actual masters to go with them. Um, it's really great for, for the... Uh, 
the Court of Two as one of the Court of Two abilities keys or on bin keys off of other Court of Two abilities. And currently, there were no other models in the Court of Two available, so that was sort of dead space on his card. You're, say, you're saying it was the Court of One previously? Womp womp. Uh, but now there's a bunch of other uh, the Gwisin and the Enslaved Spirits in addition to Cry and uh, Akirio are all in the Court of Two. Uh, Cry gets Akirio, uh, gets Akirio as uh, a bonus model. So your your army is now led by a angry woman and her equally angry ghost, which uh, I would pair them up with three sharks in a heartbeat. It'll be spectacular. Um, no, no, they the Court of Two power... Uh, they get stronger and get resources when other models die. And there is an entire faction, the Gibbering Hordes within uh, the other side, that just eat their own models to gain power. So every single time you eat one of them, your Court of Two models can get stronger. So there's a good feedback loop, pun of course intended, uh, <laughs> between the two. Um, so I think it's going to... It's going to be an interesting combination. I haven't had the opportunity to put uh, the new cry on table with my fish people, um, but I do. I'm excited for that. And uh, on the guild side, uh, by all accounts, the new uh, version of Sonia for the other side is like insane. She is just blowing stuff up left and right. She is she is creating extremely high damage explosions all over the place. Uh, Samantha Thrace was already a, a staple in uh, the other side crews because she provides card draw, she provides uh, reinforcement tokens so models can heal back up after they get hurt. Uh, she's already been uh, is, is extremely well regarded and you see her all over the place in, uh, in, in games. So having a master to go with it that is just such a insanely powerful damage engine uh, I think is going to be uh, really strong. And I, so one, I one question that's kind of my ignorance about the other side is I know you have like the larger circular bases that you put the fire teams on mm-hmm. and they come on the smaller bases. How do those base sizes translate into Malifo base sizes? So you can see on the uh, spoilers that I'm pulling them up right now. Um, the Base sizes are listed on the cards that they have there, and some of them are 30 millimeter bases. Uh, currently, the the other side, Karai and Koku, is on a 50, or no, on a 40, uh, and the version for Malifaux is on a 30, so that gets kind of awkward. Uh, Right, that, that's why I was kind of asking that question, is if you knew like how they would be compatible, so that way you don't need to have a model for each or some sort of base converter. I I have been using a base converter for uh, Karai, for Akirio specifically, for years, uh, because I have my Malifaux first edition Metal Akirio that I've just been putting on a 50 for, since, since second ed, when they made her creepy and the ring style um so yes uh it looks like the uh karai base and the kirio base uh in the other side are larger they are 40s and 80s respectively um i think the gwisin might be on 30s but i don't think i've seen gwisin cards 
No, no, I have. Uh, the Gwisin cards the were, are in 40s. fact... They're on a 40 mil. And they are 30s on the the Malifaux side of things, by the looks of it. So yes, it would require base size conversion to go between the two. Interesting. That is... It's Awkward. a little annoying. That is, that a, is little a little annoying. annoying. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, I mean, you can always put it on the smaller base and just, like, stick I, it on the bear. I take it back on the Gwissin. The Gwissin are, in fact, on 40s. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, the Malifaux Gwissin are also on 40s. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, so, the Enslaver Spirits, big question mark. Uh, unless those have also been spoiled. Maybe they have been. Ah, no, and enslaved spirits are on 30s on the other side, so it, it looks like it's only Cry and Akario that are on the wrong base size. Which makes sense. They're terrible people. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We can have less of that. That's why. Akario is a terrible person, but an amazing ghost. I feel like someone needs to take some garden shears to that Cry model. <laughs> how how it started, how it's going. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I do so just wild, wild speculation. I wonder, like, I have a feeling they'll probably do some crossover stuff in the future. I would love to see some of the um, Abyssinia stuff show up in some representation. I mean, it has actually. Has it? Who? Uh, Kia in Explorer Society. Oh, Explorer Society. Yeah, EVS. You're right. Um, she, yeah, she is has a lot of the Abyssinian tech. Yeah, okay, fair. Um, it would also be interesting if Victor Ramos escaped from prison on Earth and then, like, somehow joined both. You know what would be a better story of that? Yeah. When London flooded, he drowned. Ooh, <laughs> oh, too, too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah, but he's in Vienna, so... Was... When Vienna flooded, he drowned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened on stage? Exactly. Uh, climate change will, will be the death of us all but exactly. first the death of victor Ramos. exactly i just right, cool. I, like, I like that story to have a nice tidy ending <laughs> i don't ever have to deal with his ass again what <laughs> you know what the underground prison where lilith has been uh hold up to be flooded as well no no she's she's an angel she can come back out <laughs> none dead angel no bias at all no uh, yeah, none de- definitely no bias yeah Oh man! All right. Um, so yeah. So I think there, there we have it with this new exciting box set. Um, any any final thoughts before we wrap up? I mean, I think overall the models in the box, from the Malifaux perspective of things, show really mature, thought out design work. Like I think they fit holes in the factions. I think they work very well with the models that already exist. And they're all universally useful and well, just well thought out, well designed. So I definitely give the box like two big thumbs up. I think it's going on order at Gen Con whenever that's coming up. I would definitely recommend people acquire it. Yes. So still go in for going on half season on a box? Damn right. Damn right. And Gen Con uh, this year is September 16th. So Weird has not said anything about what their sale will be, but they usually do a sale, so presumably that is coming soon. I'm still holding out hope for transparent Void Hunters uh, 
anyone from Weird, if you're listening here at the end, please, please make them. When was the last time hope failed us? <laughs> hey, Nerf Leviticus. <laughs> uh, no, no. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap it up, and we will see you again next time on the Capital City Crew Podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a good night. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Capital City Crew Podcast. We hope you tune in next time.